I had it written down but forgot to mention uh, Mike's class. Uh, we had kind of taken over that room for the kids' baptism class last month. So that's all done. Uh, so Mike's got his room back. So if you're in Mike's Sunday school class, uh, we're back here in this room again. Uh, so uh, thanks, Mike, for teaching that class. We appreciate that. Also, thanks, Steve, for uh, sharing those stories this morning in, in our worship time. Uh, certainly, I think when we hear where some of these songs came from, a lot of them come out of pain. A lot of them come out of times in people's lives of suffering, and we forget that. I think we sing a song, and we don't always think about where those words came from, and, and uh, I think that breathes life into a song that maybe has been around for a long, long time, uh, to know that that a song came out of a time of tragedy uh, that sometimes people in this room can connect with, so I appreciate, appreciate you sharing that. Uh, we had some really great feedback uh, last week from our talk about sex and a lot of questions, so I thought we'd do part two of that today. I'm kidding. No, we're not doing that. No, we, uh, we're actually we're going to move on from that. Uh, we are going to be talking about the wisdom that we need for our words, the things that come out of our mouths, certainly, uh, certainly we need the wisdom of God when it comes to the things that we say. When my dad was a pastor in Johnstown many years ago, it was his first time as a lead pastor, and that particular church in Johnstown is where we were at. Uh, that particular church had a long history of people, uh, even in leadership positions, people saying things and that they should never have said. A long history of, of like lively board meetings and business meetings where people just, why in the world would you say that kind of stuff? Uh, and they had a long history of that. Uh, for example, this is prior to my dad ever being there, but there was, uh, there was a story of during one of the board meetings where they were talking about something. I don't even know what the decision was about, but one of the, one of the people in leadership, in a leadership position, slammed the table and announced to the other people on the board, I don't, this is what he said, I said I, he said, I don't care what the Bible says, we're not doing that. That's what he said. Don't care what the Bible says, this is not what we're going to do. How in the world is someone in a leadership position in a church, and those are the kind of words coming out of their mouth? It's, uh, it's hard to imagine, but those things happen. When we were there, I do remember this, we were there for... Well, seven, eight years, something like that. And early on, the first year anyhow, uh, I can remember one Sunday, there was a new family that had come, and they filled up like an entire pew. I mean, that's kind of neat, right? You're, you're trying to get a, a church going, and, and a new family comes, young family, and they take up a whole pew. Man, you think everyone would cheer, and they, yeah, this is amazing, right? Well, after the service, uh, this older lady came up to my dad and, and very directly said, Pastor, uh, there was a family, I don't know if you saw, but there was a family sitting in my pew today, and I'm telling you right now, if they're sitting there next week, I will not be back and neither will my money. That came out of someone's mouth. She wasn't back, by the way. <laughs> we, we said, we'll rather have the family, thank you. It's hard to imagine that those kind of things, and I, I hope I haven't, if I have, I'm going to kind of backtrack now. I don't want to paint a bad picture of the people in Johnstown because uh, the time that we spent there was, was really great, and uh, almost all the people that we uh, served with and ministered to there, lovely, lovely people. In fact, even 20 years later, there's some families in, uh, from that church that I still have a personal relationship with. 
Um, it became family, right? So I don't want to paint a, a dark picture, but there was just things, and, and it happens in any church, right? It can happen in any church. It can happen in any extended family. It can happen in, uh, in a workplace, where you go to school. It really can happen anywhere. It really only takes, in any particular group, it really only takes one or two people to kind of be toads, you know what I mean? And they just say things like, why in the world would you say that? Or why would you say that the way that you said it? Or uh, this is not the right time to have that conversation. Those things happen sometimes. If I'm being honest, and, and I hope that you will be too as we talk about this this morning, if, if I'm being honest, I, there's things that I've said that I wish, I wish that would have never come out of my mouth. Right? There's things in my life that I wish I would have never said. Or maybe I'd have waited, you know, maybe I should have waited to have that conversation until I wasn't upset. There's things in my life if I look back and, and I think, you know, I said that out of anger and I shouldn't have, or I said something that was just insensitive. We have a, a list, an ongoing list in our home, and my kids help me keep track of it. And the list is titled this, Things You Should Not Say to Your Wife. That's the title of the list. I, I actually messed up this week, no, unintentionally, unintentionally. I, uh, someone had called to talk to Angie about something, scheduling-wise, with the building or whatever. And so they called, and they called my cell, and, and I answered. And I talked talk to your wife. Well, she was, uh, she was getting Faith ready for bed at the time. And so what I tried to say, what I tried to communicate to this person was, uh, Angie is getting Faith bathed. That's what I wanted to say. Angie is getting faith bathed. What came out of my mouth, though, was Angie is getting fat. The words got, the words got jumbled up in my mouth. They didn't come out what I intended to say. Praise God, my wife was upstairs. I was downstairs. And the person on the phone said, what? Why would you say that about your wife? You know, sometimes we, we, we mess up, and sometimes we say things out of anger, or maybe we're just being insensitive. We didn't think about how that uh, would have affected the person that we said it to. Um, maybe it's just a misunderstanding. Like, that was a misunderstanding. That's not what I meant to say. And I did correct myself and made clear what I meant, what I meant to say. But sometimes those things happen. But as I think about those words, things that I wish would have never come out of my mouth. What, what, what they all have in common is this. None of those words made my life better. Isn't that true about the things that you've said? You're like, man, I wish I could get that back. None of those words make your life better. I mean, you think about your own life. If, if you have shouted, and I don't know, your, I don't know you in, in your marriage in that context, but if you've ever shouted angry words at your spouse... If that's ever happened, did that make your marriage stronger? Did that make your life better when you did that? Probably not. Probably did the opposite. When you've complained to your friends, maybe you complain at work about something, right? Or you complain even in, in the local church setting about something. And you complain to your friend about it rather than go and talk to the person who actually has the influence or the ability to do something about whatever it is that you're concerned about or upset about Rather than doing it that way, you complain to each other, right, at work or at the church or wherever. Well, did it make the situation any better? Well, no, it didn't do anything to make the situation better. In fact, it probably makes things worse. 
Maybe you've said something you thought would be clever or funny, and I, I've, I've definitely failed in this. You thought it would be funny. You thought, eh, this would be clever. And all it did was offend people, right? offend the person that you thought you know, would think this was funny or whatever. Didn't make you look any better, did it? Right? So th- those are the kind of things. Sometimes we say things, and, and we didn't intend maybe to hurt someone's feelings, but sometimes it did, and... You know, God's got a lot of wisdom to share with us about our words, and what we're learning in this series is how applying God's wisdom, God's truth to our everyday lives is going to make our lives better, and that is certainly true when it comes to our words. The things that we say, how we say them, when we say them, and even having enough self-awareness to know why we're even saying this in the first place, that's going to make our lives better if we if we have wisdom with our words. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start there this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're working our way through this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Christians, a small, young church, a new church in the city of Corinth, and they had a lot of issues. They had a number of problems, and what we're going to see this morning is that one of those, one of those concerns that Paul had about this church in Corinth and the people that were there had to do with the words, the things that they were saying. So we're going to jump in here. Chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, I would encourage you this morning to take some notes, either on the paper notes you got when you came in from Bob, or uh, you can use the digital notes as well. One thing nice about the digital notes this morning, they have, we're going to go through a bunch of verses, and all those verses are on there for you. It'll be easier to keep up. Start in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 18. Paul writes, Some of you have, been, have become arrogant, thinking, I will not visit you again, but I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me, and I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give, listen to this, pretentious speeches. There were people that are just talking. And they're, and they're saying arrogant things, and they're giving these what he describes as pretentious speeches, or do they really have God's power? And you can tell from the way that he's writing that, that the people that he's addressing, he doesn't really suspect that, they're, that they have God's power, or he wouldn't address them that way. And he says in verse 20, the kingdom of God, it's not just a, a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. The church in Corinth that Paul wrote this letter to had a number of problems. We've looked at a number of them already. But what he's addressing, and it's not just here. It's all throughout the letter. It's peppered throughout the letter that it just kind of keeps resurfacing was this problem that they had with the things coming out of their mouths. Their words were not always wise. Back in chapter 3, in the first four verses, he he describes them as being spiritually immature and being still controlled by their sinful nature. Verse 3, he says that you're, you're jealous of each other, you're quarreling with each other. Now, you understand, quarreling with each other communicates the idea of you know, they're verbally using words at each other and they're fighting. He says, doesn't that prove, doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? You're not living like people, aren't you, aren't you living like people of the world? And he says in verse 4, when one of you says, right, these are words 
that they're using. I'm a follower of Paul. I'm a follower of Paulus. Let's go out in the parking lot and we'll have it out. Essentially what was going on, they're arguing, they're, they're, they're fighting with each other over who's, who's uh, more important, who's the better leader, who's the better preacher. Nonsense. And it keeps resurfacing. He addresses it again in chapter 6, in verses 12 and 13. Uh, he, he talks uh, there about this attitude where they're saying things like, I'm allowed to do anything I want. And they, some of them apparently had taken on this attitude of the culture of Corinth where the body and the spirit were separate. They're not connected. So it doesn't really matter what I do with my body. It doesn't affect my spiritual life. That was a belief in Corinth. And it was this attitude of kind of like Vegas. Whatever happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Corinth had an attitude, uh, a slogan, it, that I can do anything I want. And some people in the church had taken that on. They were saying these things. Your words coming out of their mouth, and we see it in chapter 10 as well. And in chapter 9, Paul addresses some of the judgmental things that people in the church had been saying, some very critical things about Paul and his leadership. He addresses that. They just weren't being wise about their words. And it wasn't making their church better. It wasn't making their church stronger. It wasn't strengthening relationships. In fact, uh, what we've seen so far is a lot of these relationships were very tense, you got people suing each other in the church. You got, you got people fighting over nonsense kind of issues. They just weren't being wise about their words, and it, it was not making things better in their lives. Can you imagine what it would be like? I mean, just I, I think about this for myself. I hope you think about this honestly. What would it be like if, if we, we could know that every time we open our mouths that what we're saying is the right thing to say? Wouldn't that be great? To know that every time we spoke that this is what I should say, this is the right thing to say, and I'm going to say it in the right way, to know with confidence that I'm going to say it with the right tone, with the right volume, uh, and, and the right timing, right? To know, to have confidence that the things that come out of my mouth is the right thing at the right time, the right way, and that would be, that would be great, right? Wouldn't that make our marriages stronger? Wouldn't that make you a better friend, wouldn't that make you a better employee or if you're, if you're an employer to know that you've said the right thing at the right time in the right way to your employees, make you a better boss or better teammate uh, on, on your school sports team, make you a better uh, partner or family member of a church family, right? To always know that you're saying the right thing at the right time in the right way. I think it would make life better. We need, we need God's wisdom. Now, I know that what I'm about to show you is not in 1 Corinthians, okay? We're going to jump to James, the book of James, because what James writes about the tongue, um, it, it's just really, really helpful to our conversation this morning about being wise with our words. So we're going to jump over to James chapter 3. Because James addresses the issue of our tongue, the issue of our words, I think, in a very direct and profound way. I think it's going to be very helpful to us to look at this this morning. He says in verse 2 of chapter 3 that we do make, we make mistakes. We, we fall short in a lot of areas in our lives, he says. But if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control 
ourselves in every other way. Now that's profound. And we're going to come back to it. Listen how he describes the tongue in these other verses. Verse 3, he says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And there's some people here that have had farming experience, and you know this to be true. You've experienced this. In, in just small apparatus, you can, you can turn this horse that's so much bigger and more powerful than you are, and you can make it go where you want it to go with a small apparatus in its mouth. Uh, a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses it to go, even when the winds are strong. And he's using these analogies to make this point in verse 5. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing in, in, in re, as it relates to the other body parts of your body. You know, it's a relatively small part of the body. And yet, it makes big, boastful speeches at times, it says. Tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. Those are strong words. And he wants us to understand the power of our words for good or for evil. Verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. This is interesting. He says in verse 9, and this, this I think, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, listen carefully. He says, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. We come here and we sing these great uh, songs of praise and worship. You know, Steve led us in this morning and and our tongues are used to praise God and worship God. We shake each other's hand. How are you? Good. God bless you as you leave. Whatever. We, we praise God with this tongue. And then, you know, you get in your car and you go out here on the road and someone pulls out in front of you. You go to Walmart and they took your space. And all of a sudden you're cursing someone who's made in the image of God. And his point is, uh, that shouldn't be happening, right? That's his point uses a couple analogies, you know, the salt water and sea water, you know, those things mixed together out of the same, you know, you have spring water that has uh, fresh water and sea water coming out of it. He said, no, you don't have a fig tree and then get olives off of it. You don't get figs off of a grapevine, right? These things shouldn't be happening in, in the words of a follower of Jesus Christ. That's his point. I want to go back to that verse 2, though, because if you think about everything that he's describing, we know that to be true about ourselves. But I think this verse 2 is really profound. He says, if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. I'm going to put that in a simple, easy-to-remember statement this morning that I hope you'll take with you, that I hope will be helpful in your life this week. It's this. You get a handle on your tongue you'll keep a handle on your life. Think about that. You get a handle on your tongue, you'll keep a handle on your life. We want to explore that this morning because applying God's truth to our words, it's going to help us know what to say, how to say it, when to say it, when not to say it, and even give us some awareness about when things come out of our mouths that we're like, ooh, I shouldn't have said that, to give us some tools to be able to look back and say, why did I say that? What's going on in my heart that I would have said that? Applying God's truth and wisdom 
to our words is going to help us be able to do that. And so we're going to, we're going to look at some things from God's Word. We're going to look at the truth of God's Word, His wisdom as it's applied to our words this morning. And what I've done is I've organized, we're going to look at a lot of verses, okay? I'm just telling you I'm going to fly through a bunch of different verses if you can keep up and follow along by flipping your Bibles, awesome, that's great. I'm going to move pretty quickly, though. Because I'm going to move pretty quickly, I have all the verses on the digital notes for you, so you can follow along a little easier. They'll all be on the screen. So if you can't keep up, don't panic. Uh, you have all the references. You can look them up this week. They're on the screen. They're in the digital notes, all right? But I need to keep moving so we can get through a lot of material this morning. And I've organized all of these verses in the what, and the how, and the when, and the why. We're going to answer some really important questions when it comes to our words this morning. So that's how I've organized them. Let's look at the wisdom of God as it is applied to each one of those questions. Here's the first one. What words should we say? What words should not come out of our mouths? That's an important question. What should I say? What should I not say? Psalm 19, 14 is a great place to start. It says, the psalmist writes, May the words of my mouth, may the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Ephesians 5, 4, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking. These things are out of place. Ephesians 4, Therefore you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully to your neighbor. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be a benefit to those who listen. If we summarize verses like that, the wisdom of God, when we summarize those things, we find out that the words that come out of our mouths, first of all, should be pleasing to God. If it's not pleasing to God, we shouldn't be saying it. We also find out from verses like that that uh, if it's tearing people down, we shouldn't be saying it. Only the things that are going to be helpful, only the things that are going to be building other people up. If it's not true, if it's not kind, if it's not beneficial to other people, how about this? If it's not appropriate for a five-year-old to hear, don't say it, right? Don't say it. I went to high school back in the days before all of the bullying training that they have today, right? Everyone's really hypersensitive about that today. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I went to school in the days before all of that. And when I went to school, when you went to a sporting event, it was in the days before, you know, nowadays every sporting event you go to, uh, someone on the announcements goes through this whole mini lecture about what's expected of the fans, and what good sportsmanship means, not just from the players, but from the fans, right? There's this whole little thing that they do before every sporting event telling the fans, cool it, right, basically. So I went to school uh, back in the day before all that stuff, and, but I've got kids that have grown up during those changes, right? So I've, I've come from a place where those things didn't happen, those expectations weren't around, and into a place now where I've seen that change happen, and you know, I get it. I understand when I go to sporting events now what's expected. Anyway, I've, it, was a little, it was a little humorous at times and sometimes kind of embarrassing 
when I would take my dad to a sporting event because, you know, he, he grew up whenever I was going to school in the days before all this, and he didn't have kids that grew up under that. Uh, so he's still, in his mind, he was still living in the days back in the 1900s, literally. That's when I grew up. Uh, back in the 1900s when it was acceptable to yell at the players and do all these kind of things, right? So uh, we would be sitting in a basketball game, for example, and you got this 12-year-old kid who's trying to shoot a foul shot. And under the current expectation, when that kid's shooting his foul shot, you'd be, you'd be quiet and you let him shoot his foul shot. Not my dad. No, my dad's, uh, you know, the kid, he doesn't hit the rim or whatever, and the whole place is quiet. I'm telling you, the whole gym is quiet while this kid is shooting his foul shot. He misses the rim, and my dad yells in a quiet gym, Airball, nice shot! And he's just taunting this 12-year-old kid, and everybody in the gym looks at him like, what are you doing? This is not okay. My dad did not have much of a filter at times, for sure. When it comes to our words, what we say matters, obviously, right? What we say matters. And if you're thinking about, well, how, what's the goal that I'm shooting for in the, in the what part of what we, what we say? How do I apply God's wisdom? Is there a basic standard that I could remember? And I would say this way, just as a basic uh, standard, the bullseye that we're shooting for, two things. And I look over the scripture, and I, I, if I'm summarizing uh, different verses that talk about what we say, I would, I would summarize it this way. Is it G-rated and helpful? If you can remember that that's the bullseye, G-rated and helpful, that that's what you're shooting for, you're probably going to avoid things that you shouldn't say, right? If that's the basic standard that you're shooting for. Is it G-rated? Is it helpful? Okay, then probably this is okay. This is okay to say. You get a handle on your tongue... You're going to keep a handle on your life. Well, how about how, about how I say things? Because sometimes you can, maybe you say what you say itself isn't right, wrong, or whatever, but it's how you said it. Maybe it's not what you said, but, it, but how you said it. Listen to these verses. Here's one, Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation, right, your words with other people be full of grace, seasoned with salt. And you just think about that image. When you season something with salt... It's appetizing, right? That's why you season it. If it's seasoned well, it tastes good. It's appetizing. And if it's not, ugh. You know, sometimes people, people's words, the way that it's said, it's like, ugh. That's how it comes across. Your conversation be, should be full of grace, seasoned with salt. In Galatians 6.1, he uh, talks about a hard, hard conversation. If your brother is caught in a sin, and you're spiritual, and you're going to address that issue in his life, that's a hard conversation to have for sure, but then Paul says, if you're going to have that conversation, make sure you do it with gentleness. Make sure you do it with gentleness. That's the how part. Because maybe what you say is dead on right. What You're addressing a sin in this person's life that you care about and you love. And what you are saying about their behavior is dead on right. Be careful how you say it. Be careful how you say it. You come across judgmental and, and condescending, and it's not the right way to say it. Gentleness. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble, right? Humility is a really big part of, of our words and how we say things. The opposite of, is 
back in Corinthians, these people had arrogance in their words. They were, had these presumptuous and uh, these, these, these grand speeches were boastful. Be humble, be gentle. He talks about being patient and bearing with one another in love. Make sure you're making the effort to keep unity in your relationships. So be careful how you say things. How about this one? Guys, listen. If you are married, listen to me. Listen to what Peter writes in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Do you hear that, men? If you are a married man, be considerate in your words. Be respectful with your words when it comes to how you treat your wife. The end of that verse talks about the consequences for not doing that, is that God's not going to be interested in your prayers. You read that rest of that verse, that's what God says. You can't treat your wife well, I'm not interested in what you have to say when you pray. That's, that's pretty serious. God expects us men to treat our wives well. How about 1 Peter 3.15? Be prepared to give an answer. If someone asks you to give them a reason for your hope, you're talking about your faith, he says, that's good, do that, but do it with gentleness, do it with respect. So the way that we, if you summarize verses like that, the wisdom of God applied to how we say things, that matters. Words like gentleness, respect, humility, love, grace, consideration, sensitivity, all these kinds of words keep being repeated throughout Scripture in how we say what we say. And I think one of the things that can be really hard to get a handle on if I'm just being honest, is our tone. You know, to the, the how you say something can be really hard to get a handle on sometimes. And I think you've, you've come across people, or maybe you're someone who believes this. There's people that believe that um, their volume needs to get up. If they're really trying to make a point, the way to be heard is to increase volume. I'm going to shout louder or speak louder than you uh, or over top of you. That way I'm heard. Well, that's... That's not an effective way to be heard, first of all. And uh, second of all, it's not coming across in in a way that that person even wants to listen to what you're saying. Some people will use sarcasm or even passive-aggressive words. Uh, They're trying to make a point, and they'll cut people down with sarcasm. They'll cut people down with with passive-aggressive kinds of comments. And that's not going to make things better. People will do that sometimes. And maybe what they're saying, maybe the what is dead on right. Maybe it's dead on true, but the how has failed. The how has fallen short. I was thinking about just the context in which you know, volume and aggressiveness in our speech is appropriate. And I came up with a pretty short list. You know, If you're a drill instructor for a military boot camp, Totally appropriate to have volume and aggressive speech, right? Never been, but I mean, I've seen enough movies to know that's an appropriate setting for that type of speech. If you are a police officer, we have a number of police officers uh, in our church. If you're a police officer and you're trying to take control of, a, of an out-of-control situation, totally appropriate time for, for volume to go up and aggressive speech, right, that, that makes total sense in the context of that situation. It's a pretty short list. I couldn't really, maybe there's ones I haven't thought of that you were, you're sitting there like, oh, you missed, fine. But um, we're talking like 
three to four, maybe five situations that we could create in which, and none of them probably have anything to do with your life, my life, and an everyday situation, right? As far as I know, none of us are in boot camp. As far as I know, there's only a few police officers here, and those types of situations aren't happening all the time, certainly not in their own homes, hopefully, right? My point being this, it's a pretty, pretty short list of situations where angry, aggressive, uh, loud type tones are going to make a situation better. And that's really what we're talking about this morning. Get a handle on your tongue, you're going to keep a handle on your life. How about the wind? So we're talking about, we have to be careful what we say, we have to be careful how we say it, but we also have to be careful when. We say things. There's a timing issue to some of the words that come out of our mouths. You might say what is dead on true, but it's just not the right time. Proverbs 13, 3. He who guards his lips guards his life. Boy, I've been in those situations. <laughs> like, oh, no, this is not. Why did I say that? It's probably not going to end well. Guard your lips, you guard your life. You speak rashly, you could come to ruin. Here's the uh, one from Proverbs 15, 23. On the other side of that is this. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? Have you ever been in a situation where someone said just the right thing at just the right time in just the right way? And man, it just, thank you. That blessed my heart. Right? Have you ever experienced that? And, it, and so, so when we get this right, it can be beautiful and wonderful and, and God-ordained and all of that stuff. You have to be careful. The next proverb says this, 29.20 says, Do you see a man who speaks in haste? He spoke before he thought. So there's more hope for a fool than for him. James writes this earlier in the chapter. He, he says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. In other words, be, be mindful of the things that you're saying. Think. Your, your parents probably taught you that when you were small. you got to think before you speak. I think all of these things get summed up really well in Ecclesiastes. If we're looking for a summary of God's wisdom applied to timing, Ecclesiastes, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. There's a time to say something and there's a time you need to keep your mouth shut. It's a really good summary of God's wisdom when it comes to timing. And we do need wisdom to know the difference, to know the difference between when should I say something and when shouldn't I. If you're angry, just as a couple examples of when you probably shouldn't talk, or when you probably should hold off a minute until you share what's on your mind. If you're angry, maybe you need to take a minute. Maybe that's not the right time to, to say the things that are popping through your brain. Maybe you need to take a minute before you have that conversation. Or, you know, we're talking about verbal speech, but nowadays the things that people say, they're not limited to verbal speech, are they? You've got emails, social media. In fact, people will say things on social media that they would never say out loud to someone. Never. They feel some type of freedom to type something on social media and send it off and huh, showed them. They would never say that in front of that person's face. 
So we have to be careful. Uh, it may be that you need to just take a minute before you reply. I've had times, I, I'm so thankful for uh, a wife who has wisdom. Uh, I, I've had times when I've written an email. Write the email, and I said, honey, I need you to look at this before I hit send. And thankfully, I have a wife with wisdom who has said to me, uh, no, you're not sending that. Take a minute and then try again. She's kept me out of trouble because of that. How about this? Sometimes it's just not the right time to have a particular conversation. You're at a funeral. There's a lot of things that are off limits at a funeral, right? There's just certain things. It's not the right time. You're walking through the line, and you're saying, you know, your condolences to you know, the kids and the spouse or whatever, and you're like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, Mrs. Smith, you know, for your loss, my, my condolences. Uh, by the way, uh, did, did Festus ever mention he owed me $200? He never really paid me that. I, might, I don't know. If you have it with you, it's fine. We can settle up next week. That's okay. Just thought I'd mention it. Not the right time, right? It may be dead on true. It's not the right time. Those kind of words don't make a situation better. They certainly don't make a relationship stronger. You get a handle on your tongue, you're going to keep a handle on your life. The last thing we need to look at, you know, we, it's important what we say and how we say it, when we say it, but we also need to consider, why did I say that? Because sometimes we say things and... We don't really take the time. We might regret it, but maybe we don't take the time to consider why we said it in the first place, and we really should. Jesus challenged us challenged us in this when he said this in Luke 6.45. Listen carefully. It's on the screen. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Here's the point. For out of the overflow of his heart, out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. So the words coming out of our mouths reflect the stuff going on in our hearts. That's Jesus' point. So if there's things that we say the wrong thing, we say it the wrong way, we say it at the wrong time, it's important that we ask ourselves the question, what's going on in my heart that I said that? Because our words reveal the things that are happening in our hearts. For example, angry people oftentimes will say angry words. So if I'm saying angry words, and I'm saying them in an angry way, maybe I need to pause for a moment and consider what's happening in my heart. Is this just kind of a key of the moment thing, and I should have just I should have handled this differently? Or is there some bitterness maybe that's been building up in my heart over time? When that needs to be dealt with. Maybe, maybe you speak. Maybe you are in this pattern where you speak before you think, which demonstrates a lack of wisdom and discernment. Well, understanding that about yourself, that you need more wisdom if you are in a pattern of speaking before you think about what you're saying and how you say it and when you say it, well, the good news is that God's promise, if you need wisdom, if you lack wisdom, pray and, and ask God for that, and He'll help you with that. God is, is uh, more than happy to give you wisdom and help you think about what you are saying. But you need an awareness of that. 
that you need wisdom so that you'll ask. Maybe, maybe the words coming out of your mouth demonstrate a self-centeredness or a lack of consideration, a lack of sensitivity towards the people around you. It's like you said it, it was in your brain, so you said it, and you didn't think through for even a moment of how that might have sounded to the people that you said it to or how they took it. You know, some, hopefully in the room here, not everybody has this ability, but most people have some ability to read other people's facial expressions, other people's body language to the point where if you said something, you can almost sense in what you said, like, ooh, they didn't receive that well, right? Most of us have that ability in a conversation to say, because people get quiet, or maybe their facial expression changes, right? And, and if I'm talking about something you have no clue what I'm talking about, I know it makes it harder if you can't read expressions in other people, but when, 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 you, when you have said something and it's clear that uh, I've, been, I've crossed the line, I wasn't uh, being sensitive or considerate in what I said, uh, then that, that awareness to fix that as quickly as possible is really important. And it's fairly simple to do in most cases uh, with a simple apology. Sorry, and clarity. You can clarify. Uh, are you, did, do you understand what I didn't mean it this way or whatever? You can just clarify and apologize. That goes back to humility. If you think for a moment that you have said something that has been interpreted in a way that was offensive, just be humble enough to, to, to have the, uh, the sense to say, did I offend you with that? If I did, I'm super sorry. Didn't mean to. Let me clarify what I meant. And now, now that person doesn't go away thinking you're a big jerk, hopefully. But the point is, when, when we say things, or maybe you say things and you just don't even think, does, is this going to please God? That would show a lack of concern for what God expects of us. That's a hard issue. And, and none of the things that we've just talked about are going to make our lives better. Right? They're not going to make your marriage stronger. They're not going to make you uh, a better friend. Uh, Maybe, maybe what the words that are coming out of your mouth reveal about your heart is that your heart needs to be transformed through a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe that's what it means. Jesus didn't come to just die on the cross just so that he could rescue our soul from hell. He did, that's part of it, but it also his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead was all about transforming our lives, about transforming our hearts when our hearts are transformed, our words are transformed. And so maybe if you backtrack all of that, the words coming out of your mouth reveal a need for your heart to be transformed by the power of Jesus in your life. Maybe that's what your words reveal. Get a handle on your tongue, you're going to keep a handle on your life. I mean, just go back and imagine again with me. What would it be like if, if, if our everyday lives... Uh, that we were consistent in, that we're always saying the right thing in the right way at the right time. We had uh, self-awareness to know that if I did overstep, oh, uh, I, I don't know, I need to deal with that, right? Just to have that awareness. Think about how that would just make your life better. It would strengthen your marriage. It would make you a better friend. It would make you a better employee, a better employer, a better teammate, a better member of a church family. If I could just leave you with a couple things to consider, how do we take what we talked about today, how do we apply God's truth to our everyday lives, making life better? Maybe, 
maybe you have said something to someone and you need to apologize. Is that possible? You take what we talk about today, let's apply it on a Monday morning. Maybe you have said something that wasn't wise and you, you need to make an apology this week. Okay, have the humility and the courage to go do that. Maybe, how about this, maybe you need to talk to your spouse and have a conversation with your spouse and I would say initiate the question. Here's the question. It's not, uh, have, don't, don't have this conversation. Sit down over lunch today and say, hey, I, I, let's talk about the sermon. I just want to tell you all the things that you're saying wrong in our marriage. Don't do that. That's not going to be helpful. Do it the other way. Ask the question of your spouse. Hey, let's talk about what we discussed in our sermon today. I, wanna, I want you to tell me, are, are there things that I have said? Or is, there, is the way that I communicate to you ever out of bounds? Tell me what I can do. Is there something I need to change about the way I use words in our marriage? I want to know. Be honest with me. And if someone, if your spouse asks you that question, be gentle. Be kind. Be gracious. Be loving in your response. Be honest, but have that conversation in love. What's the point of the conversation? Remember the point of the conversation is to make your marriage stronger. Right? Not to rip it apart. I did a a, uh, when I worked for Head Start a long, long time ago, I did a uh, series on marriage and love and marriage, and they had asked, because they have a lot of broken families uh, that they work with, and I said, well, could you do a little seminar? And I said, yeah, I could put something together. And by the end of the seminar, I think they, uh, all the families that I work with were ready to move out. Right? They had nothing to do with it. It was kind of backfire. Because uh, they, they, they didn't have... Uh, they, they kind of went at each other instead of having gracious, loving conversations for whatever reason. So anyway, just be gracious if you're having those conversations. Maybe, maybe you need to clean up your language. Maybe you need to clean up your language. Maybe you need to reset the goal back to G-rated and helpful, right? Like, <laughs> that's the baseline, G-rated and helpful. Because the words you're using now don't reflect someone who's living a Jesus-centered life. Overall, Remember this, if you get a handle on your tongue, you're going to keep a handle on your life. And maybe the reason you can't seem to get a handle on your tongue is because you do need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's a possibility to consider. Letting Jesus transform your heart, because if your heart's transformed, your words will be transformed. Sense? Let me pray for you. Laura, thank you for the opportunity that we've had to to talk this morning about our words. And I thank you that uh, with you there's grace and forgiveness because this, uh, this is an area of our lives where we probably step over the boundary line way more often than we would ever care to admit to a group of people uh, at church. And so, Lord, I ask that you would, have, uh, uh, that you would give us a humility of heart uh, to be honest about that and to seek your wisdom in what we say, to seek your wisdom in how we say it, to seek your wisdom in when we say things and when we don't, and to have an awareness that uh, if we do step over the line, an awareness to ask ourselves, why did I say that, and deal with whatever issues going on in our heart to allow you to change that, to transform us by your power. And we'll thank you for this in the name of Jesus.
God bless you, and I hope you have a great day.